I understand that we have a, a number who are with us at Camp Penuel for the very first time. Is that, is that so? If this is your first time here at the camp, did you raise your hand? Oh, there is a hand. Oh, welcome! We've been waiting for you. Uh, this, this place, this place, we secured this place in, uh, in 2016. In 2016. And uh, I, I have to say, what a blessing this has been uh, uh, to us and to the churches, that we can have such a place for, for the blending uh, like this. It's, it's a joy to be together, isn't it? Um, I, I, sure, I, sure, I sure believe that the children are happy. Uh, there's so many children running around. I think we have at least 75 children on the registered for, for this. I was told that we have more children this weekend than we do for the Bible camp that we had right. <laughs> last, last month. So uh, anyway, I, I talked to some of the they all, children. They, they all seem so, so happy. Um, anyway, this place, uh, we do hope that you would take advantage of, uh, of, of being here on the grounds, not only in the meeting time, but even between the meetings at different times, uh, just to just to be with the Lord. And of course, it's good for us to be together. We get that kind of encouragement. But, but um, this place is yours. Um, go for a walk. Um, just a stroll with the Lord at some time. Just be with Him. Find a, find a tree somewhere or, or a log or something and just be with the Lord. And uh, there are trails, by the way, here uh, to, to, to the north. Uh, actually to the south as well, uh, and we're working on some other stuff. Uh, improvements are being made, uh, but but uh, there, anyway, there are some trails, and you could find a spot to just uh, have some private time uh, with, with the Lord, or just for go for a walk with someone that you haven't seen in a while, and just to catch up. And and anyway, just avail yourselves of of the of the grounds of the of the property. Uh, well, this is always a very, very particular and special time, at least to me, to, to, be, to be able to be with this group of saints, the, 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 the working saints, and uh, including, this is a kind of a, a catch-all phrase. Sometimes we call this the young adults. But then when we just say young adults, um, we found out that some of the married saints feel, oh, that's not us. We're something else, and so then we 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 and included the you know young families, and then uh, some said, wait, okay, we're we're a young couple, but we have no kids. Are we in, anyway? If you're here, I think you got the message that it's for you. So so we're glad you're here, and and um, you know our our, our burden our burden is to separate this time so that we all can receive the speaking of the Lord in a particular way. Uh, we do believe that the Lord has a particular word, particular portion uh, for where you are uh, in your Christian life, in your church life, but not just for you, but rather to strengthen you to be a blessing to your local church, 
uh, wherever, wherever you are. Um, if, if you, I don't know if you notice these things, but uh, you know, the, the booklet that we have here um, has no outlines, has no outlines, and also has no title. It just says Young Working Saints and then Families. Like, we didn't tell you what we're going to talk about. Most of the time, most of the time we do. At least we give you a, a title. We, we, we tried to, last time we were here in March, we tried to we get a kind of catchy title. So, so we got that. I don't know if anybody remembers. But, but there were three re, re-words. R, they all started with R-E. Right. Right, R-E. Anybody remember the first one? Right, the Kindle, and that became like the kind of key word for the whole for the whole weekend. Rekindle, and and uh, since then I've run into people here and there, and they say, "Oh, hey, I heard your Rekindle message," you know. And so, so I know what they're talking about. They must be talking about that that that, that conference. I don't even know how they got it. They weren't here, but anyway, they got it somehow. I don't know how they got the permission to get our. Recording, but they, anyway, they did. <laughs> I said, oh, "Okay, you heard that." Um, so, no, no catchy title, no catchy title, Be, um, because we actually, even right now, I, I don't know that I can give you the title. I think we'll give you a title, with, Brother Dennis. Maybe we, we we can devise the title by the end of whatever we speak. Yeah, let's try. Yeah, um, but it has something to do with this. It has something to do with the attitude in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It has something to do with that. It has something to do with pursuing. It has something to do with advancing. With advancing. Uh, with with um, not standing still in our Christian life. Actually, uh, I, I wanted to sing uh, uh, another hymn. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. I, I just didn't feel we had the, the time to do that. But I also wanted to for us to sing. Maybe we'll we'll sing this in the next session. Uh, three ninety four, which matches the feeling of three ninety six. We sang three ninety six, right? We sang three ninety six. Right. Uh, I'm pressing on the upward way. Right. I'm pressing on the upward way. Uh, um, how, how else does it say? What's the chorus? Um, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on Canaan's tableland. A higher plane! A higher plane! Higher! Than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Okay, if you can put that into a word, that's the bird. That's the bird. Higher! Lord, I don't want to be where I am. I don't want to stay where I am. And, and anyway, uh, 390, 394, uh, maybe you, you notice it. Unto him that Forgive my voice. Um, you know, I've never been invited to sing on those. I don't to see Then it says, Lord, I live 
because thou livest. Therefore give more life to me. More! So 396 says, higher! This song says, more! That's our burden. More. Uh, verse 2 says, Deepen all thy work, O Master. Strengthen every downward root. Deepen. Deepen. So, this is our burden. Deeper! Amen. And higher! Amen. At the same time. Strengthen. Lord, strengthen. Amen. Lord, strengthen. I hope we, this would be our inner prayer. Feel free to pray it out loud too. Lord, strengthen. Strengthen my what? Down every, every downward route. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm not talking to children here. I'm not talking to just young people here who were just saved yesterday. Maybe some saved yesterday. That's wonderful. But most of you have been saved for a little bit now. You know this. In the Christian life, you cannot survive very long without downward roots right. in the Lord. Right. We need our roots to go down in the Lord. It does say in Colossians chapter 2, we are rooted and grounded in Christ. But, but that's, a, that's a fact. And that's objective. We need the roots to go deeper. If not, if not, when the winds come. And, and the, Lord, the Lord told us the winds will come. The winds will come. Then what? The, the, the trees that don't have the, long, the good root system, easy to be blown. They're, they're just... They're just blown. They're uprooted. You know, the Lord told us in Matthew chapter 7, after the discourse on the kingdom, he said that, uh, who is he that, that hears my word and does them? And does them. Hears it and does them. They will be like what? They will be like the, 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 the man who built his house on the rock. Built on the rock. Says that because then the, the winds came and and the floods came, right? Uh, and and it stood. But then there's another category who who also hear the same words of the Lord, who hear the same words of the Lord, but but don't do them, which which means don't apply them. Don't apply them. Don't know how to make that practical and apply then what happens the same winds the same rain and the same floods you can't avoid wind rain and flood you can't avoid it in human life since the fall that's human life I know we all wish we could avoid it. and we all do we get you know you try to get your education and get a good job so that you can have some security for what? To avoid wind, rain, and flood. That we all try, but you can't avoid it. And actually, 
God uses the wind, the rain, and the flood to, to show us what we have. To test. It's a test. Everyone faces the test. Everyone faces the test. Some still stand after the test. Yes, maybe some leaves were blown off. Yes, maybe some branches were blown off. But it still stands because of the roots. The song continues. The song continues. Um, well, let me let, better, better go down to the last one. Let me then, fine. This is, again, 394. Let me then be always growing, never, never standing still. Never, never standing still. Listening, learning, better knowing thee and thy most blessed will. Till I win the glorious race, daily let me grow in grace. This phrase, never, never standing still. Never, never standing still. As I was praying for you earlier this week, praying, Lord, what shall we present to the dear saints? What is their need? Oh, this phrase, never, never. This phrase came to me. Because I, I had the song already. I knew this hymn. And this phrase just, I, it was, it was rhema to me. You know, rhema, R-H-E-M-A. It was just the instant speaking of never, never standing still. That, that, that all the saints, all of us, need to have this kind of um, uh, endeavoring, this kind of uh, 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 pursuit, this kind of attitude in our heart. Lord, never, never standing still. Lord, Lord, come what may. And, 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 and of course, we, we realize, you know, we, we are living in very particular times. Very particular times. And we know the Lord is doing things in the environment. It's just so clear. It's just so clear to us that the time of the Lord's coming is near. The time of the Lord's coming is near. And, and he's operating in the environment to set the stage. Even many things that seem so terrible. It, it's just, you think, Lord, why? And, and you, if you have the eyes to see, you, you'll realize, Lord, you are setting the, the whole stage of the whole global scenery for, for that man of lawlessness to be revealed. For that man of lawlessness to be revealed. That it says in 2 Thessalonians. The one we Christians call the Antichrist. For that man to be revealed. And, and then eventually that man. He will, he will make this pact with Israel. To allow the sacrifices. To allow the building of the temple. I just believe that's one day. That's going to be the news. That's, that's, it, it's, it's, it's just going to be there. You're going to get notifications. Whatever notices you, 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 you get, and boom, oh, a pact with Israel. And you're just going to, like, the Bible will become the news because it already is becoming, is that way? Mm-hmm. What's in the Bible, what seems like a prophecy, is going to become our current news. And, and the stage is being set for that. Then, in the midst of that, in the midst of that, so much that affects us, our living affects the economy, uh, uh, the effects of the last two years with the isolation and shifting in how you work and, and with children, with their schooling 
and so much has changed in society and, and all, all that, all that. And there are, there are pressures. There are pressures, especially to families, especially to, to young people just, coming, just entering the workforce. And there, there's just different, there's just a lot of things. Oh, I hope, I hope. All of those things would not, would not blur the vision. Would not slow you down. Would not, would not make you, I just read this in my, in my daily reading, as I'm reading through the Old Testament. Uh, this is in Daniel. It has this phrase, complacently secure. Complacently secure. Oh, brothers and sisters, you, you, you are in a certain uh, stage of life, whether, whether you just started working or, or you've been working for some time, single, married, newly married, or with children, uh, just getting your first house, uh, your first child. Uh, oh, yes, yes, all of these are real blessings. All of these are re- very special moments in our, in our human life. And they, they bring a certain amount of joy. And, and yes, yes, and, and you want to do the best. You want to do the best. That's all wonderful. But please be careful. Please be careful. That, that do not allow the enemy to take advantage of your blessed situation so that you become complacently wow. secure. You know, <laughs> this, is talking, this is talking about the Antichrist. That verse. He, his, the, uh, uh, Satan's attack on, on, on believers. Satan's attack on believers. It's, it's, it's mentioned in, in the book of Daniel. And <laughs> it talks about that he, one tactic is to wear out the saints of the Most High. Are you familiar with that phrase? He wears out the saints of the Most High. And, and so that's one tactic, to attack you, to throw things at you, to throw anxieties at you, to, to make life more uh, difficult. And, and, and just like, you know, this is nothing new. This is exactly what the Pharaoh did in Exodus chapter 2, that... To, to make God's people work and, and sweat and then, and then uh, in, uh, keep, make a standard and then take away supply, which means to make it more difficult. This has been Satan's uh, tactic from the beginning. And it's pictured in the Bible. It's told to us in the Bible. So we shouldn't be ignorant. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians, that none of us would be ignorant of his schemes, that you would not be taken advantage of by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes, stratagems. And what is his strategy? Oh, to make life more difficult. You know, the Lord did say, the Lord did say, as a result of the fall, that now the ground is cursed and you have to sweat to get the fruit from it. That's part of the the curse. Working is difficult. To earn a living is difficult. You blame that on Adam and on Satan. That's the result of the fall. Okay. However, 
That's one side. Oh, you, the enemy wears you out. He wears you out. And then you have nothing left for the church life. Nothing left. And it's all legitimate. Nobody can blame you. People still blame you. But and it, maybe, probably you blame yourself. Oh, I'm so bad. Oh, consecration. Yeah. Okay, that's one side. Another side is the Lord blesses. And hey, things are good. Wonderful. Things are good. And you're, you're, you can, now you, you, you feel like I figured it out. We, we figured it out. And we're good. Oh, be careful. Be careful to receive such a blessing. Be careful to receive such a blessing. Where you both have good jobs. Enough to take care of the children with different arrangements. Be careful. That's a blessing. I'm not talking against that. But, but be careful. Lest you become what? Complacently secure. And mm, mm, you'll, you'll see... But we're, we're going to talk, the reason that we have Romans 9.13 is because we're going to talk a lot about Jacob this week. Jacob. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. That's a striking verse. How could God hate people? Anyway, we're not going to talk about Esau. We're going to talk about Jacob. Jacob have I loved. And uh, you, you'll see, you're going to see. And Jacob was chosen. Because he was loved. Jacob was chosen. God did so many things for him. We're going, to, we're going to talk about three landmark experiences in Jacob's life that we hope we could realize is actually your biography and mine. I hope, I hope you would see it that way. You know, the Bible, it, the Bible becomes a wonderful book when you see yourself in the Bible. Don't you have this experience? Like, it's oh, it's a different book because you just feel, yes, <laughs> That's not Jacob, that's me. I hope by the end of today you would have that feeling. Lord, how, how did you know? How did you know? Anyway, Jacob. <laughs> so much, you know, uh, when we, we're, we're going to read that verse in a moment. When we first meet Jacob, we meet him as someone who's struggling. Struggling. And his whole life is a life of struggling. His whole life actually... A lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. And then one day, one day, he finally prays. One day. I, 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 you may be surprised how long it takes him <laughs> to actually pray. I was reading the, the Life Study message on that portion. And in the Life Study message, our brother Lee who wrote, you know, spoke the Life Study. He says, a strange thing happened. Jacob prayed. <laughs> And, and I never noticed. Wait, in, in the whole account? This is, I think, in, this might be in chapter 33. After one landmark experience, after another landmark experience, and, 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 then, and then finally, he prayed. You know, sometimes it takes a lot to get us to pray. Because there's so many things, so many things. And because, like Jacob, you are so smart. You are so capable. Yeah. You know, when you're capable, smart, it's very possible that you become conniving. Mm. You, you just, you can figure things out and you know how to work the system. 
And, and, and that was Jacob. That was Jacob. So, then he didn't need to pray. Because he could do everything. One day, he prayed. You know, dear saints, if we, come, we become complacently secure, it's very possible. You don't pray. Yeah, you still have your morning time with the Lord. You still do this. You still do that. You still go. You still serve even. But not that kind of prayer. Not that prayer. Lord, higher, deeper, more. Not that kind of prayer. We just have, we just pray. We just do all the things. So, anyway, if you can put all of that into a word, that's our word. So, we'll come up with a good title. And if you can suggest the title to me later, you let, let, let me know. We will, we will, as I said, talk about certain landmarks in the life of Jacob. But I want to introduce you to this now. Um, uh, and, and, and we'll come back to, to these points. Okay. The name Jacob. Uh, you know, the name Jacob itself means uh, one who holds the heel. The heel, heel you know, the heel. H-E-E-L. One who hold, holds a heel holder. A heel holder. Okay. I didn't know that there needs to be a word called heel holder because how often, how often do you need this word? But there is a word for it. And that became Jacob's name. Why? Because when he was born, he was a twin. And, and he was born holding his brother's heel. It almost seemed like he was trying to, wait, no, I want to go first. Yeah, and we'll read that. It's, because there was a struggle. Uh, you know how, 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 there's some sisters here that are pregnant, so I won't say who. But anyway, I don't know if anybody knows. But anyway, there's... And, and then it's always a thing when you, you know, when the baby kicks and you, you know, people want to, you know, strange. That, that's strange. People say, oh, can I do it? No. That's odd. Okay. If it's your, you know, husband or wife or, you know, grandma or something, that's okay. Or the, or the little siblings, they get, oh, I felt that I felt it. Okay. This was going on in, in Rebecca, the mother. And she's praying, and then she prays, Oh, Lord, what is it? There must have been some kicking going on. Because she says, What is this? Lord, what is this? And, and, and the Lord says, Oh, that's two nations struggling inside of you. There's two nations inside of you. And, and so, so, you know, it's like, Okay, amen, but make this go away. You know, it's good to get the Lord speaking, but it still hurts, right? And so, anyway, that's how we meet Jacob, like struggling. Then he comes out holding the heel. Eventually, and we'll, we'll read this later, God changes his name to Israel. Israel. And, and this means, you know, the name Israel means a wrestler of God or to wrestle with God. Now, it could also mean a prince of God, but the main meaning is to wrestle with God. And, and of course, this, this is 
uh, th this uh, experience is what we will see in chapter 32. And chapter 32 is the source of why we named this place Camp Penuel, the Kingston Penuel Christian Center. It's that, that story. Okay. So, okay. But this happens at, this happens at this place, this struggle. Or in, in this place that he had, oh, oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, this is the dream, Bethel, Bethel. Uh, so before his name is changed, uh, he has a dream. He has a dream. That, that's a, one of the landmarks. Uh, maybe I should maybe I should reverse to make it clear because these, these what I'm writing here to you is the three the three uh, uh, landmarks. Okay. So this is Bethel. So. And we're, we will read this. He's, he's, uh, he cheats his brother. You know that story, right? Right. He cheats his brother twice. And, and then his brother makes a plan to, uh, you know, kill him. Yeah. But, he, but he's going to wait until his father passes. Yeah. So in the meantime, mommy, so concerned, she hears about this, convinces daddy, Isaac, to send him away. And, and so he sends him, uh, uh, Jacob, away. And then he's there by himself in this, at night, and he, he has a dream. And in this dream, you, you, know, you all know this dream? You know th this point? There's a ladder. There's a ladder. This is, this is amazing. There's a ladder, and angels are going up and down. Not down and up. They're going up and down. Okay. Then he wakes up. And he wakes up says, oh, this is the house of God. And he says, this is a terrible place, a terrible place. There's none other than the house of God. This is the house of God. And house of God in Hebrew is Bethel or Bethel. So he calls it Bethel for the first time. Do you know that's the first time in the whole Bible that the, the concept of God having a house is unveiled. To this supplanter, to this heel holder, to this imperfect person, God opens his heart. I want a house. He gave him a dream. And that dream actually governed not just Jacob's life, that dream governs the whole rest of the Bible. Because the fulfillment of that dream is us. And the full fulfillment of that dream is New Jerusalem in Revelation 21 and 22. That dream in, this is this is Genesis, Genesis 28. That dream, that dream sets the course for the whole universe. Okay, that dream. Okay, then after that, in chapter 32, he has this encounter with the Lord, and and God changes his name to Israel. That's 32. Then eventually, eventually. He ends up back in Bethel. And we're going to talk about that journey back, back, back to Bethel. And there, eventually, he builds an altar. And, and he calls that altar, he calls that place. And now this is at Bethel, but he calls it this. El Bethel. El Bethel. 
And what does this mean? Well, you can tell here. L, 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 L. That, that in, in Hebrew, that's God. God. So, uh, Bethel is house of God. Israel is wrestler of God or with God. El Bethel is the God of the house of God. Okay. And so what we want to do is, in these sessions, go through this to see something. Actually, hopefully, to see ourselves in the journey that this person, Jacob, this third generation of God's people. Right? Third generation of God's people. Right? Abraham, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob. This is a third generation of person. So it's a person who already knows a lot, like many of us, who already heard quite a bit, who already, who already saw the works of God in their family, who, who, who has the influence of some who had a very first-hand experience with God, with Jehovah. Uh, and now they come on the scene, and, and this is their journey. And, and many of us here are, are second or third or fourth generation. Some even maybe fifth generation. Probably the majority. There are some, I think, first generation here. But, but this is also your story. This is also your story. Because you also were, what? Chosen and loved from the foundation of the world. And your story begins here. Uh, also as a heel holder. <laughs> also as someone who is, what, for ourselves? That's what it means. We're for ourselves. We, 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 we want, uh, uh, Jacob wanted to be first, not second. But, oh, if he had only known Romans 9.13. Jacob have I loved. Jacob, don't worry about it. You were chosen to be second, but you were destined to be blessed like the first. You, you, this, that's your, your destiny. And that's all our destiny. That's all our destiny. Well, why did I want to have Philippians here? And, you know, Philippians not, has this, this uh, kind of feeling. I pursue. Uh, not that I have already obtained. I haven't already obtained. I pursue. I'm still running. Uh, forgetting the things that are behind and stretching forward, stretching forward. This shows kind of activity, right? This shows endeavoring. And, and, and I, I pursue toward the goal for the prize. I know I'm not there yet, but I'm, okay, pursuing. Okay, Paul, this is the words of Paul. And, and this is probably, from history we know, probably around 26 years after his conversion. Okay? 26 years after his conversion. And so, uh, I've heard this as ministry, you know, that said, like, wow, Paul, uh, after, in his third decade, right, of a Christian life, was pursuing, was pursuing. But this struck me a certain way this, this week, that uh, quite a number here, you probably received the Lord Anywhere between five to seven years old or 
the 11, 12 years old. Okay, I just like to know if you if you were saved in this age range, let's say let's say uh, between five and thirteen. Please raise your hand if you got saved between. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought it would be this. Okay, so so if if you're the youngest one, the youngest one, saved at five. Didn't you get saved at five or six years old? Yeah. yeah, I got saved when I was seven. I was saved when I was seven. So let let me use myself as an example. Suppose. I got saved at 7, plus 26. That would make me, what? 33. So, I would be in this conference. Alright? If, if you were saved at 12, plus 26, that makes you, what? 38. You would also be in this conference. So, Paul, after 26 years in the Christian life, had this attitude. I think... You and I should also. Yeah. Have, have, have you never said to yourself, uh, again, if you were saved that young, have you never said to yourself, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You've been saved this long, and you still, you still struggle with this. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I, I, I know. Because I also, yeah. 26 years. You know, my goal when I was a teenager and in my early 20s was to be absolutely transformed by the age of 30. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I, Brother David, I told the Lord, Lord, What a, when my birthday, 30? Wow. I was greatly disappointed. <laughs> yeah, not with the Lord, not that he didn't answer my prayer, but I realized, wow, I'm a tough nut to crack. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I give you such difficult time. So, then I decided, you know what I decided then, right? 40. <laughs> 40. Praise and Francis, it's 40. I never a song, never, never standing still, deeper, higher, yes. more. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. At forty. <laughs> anyway, I stopped setting such goals. Well, I did set another goal, and that is before the end of my journey. Right. I don't know when that will be. That will either be when the Lord comes to us right. or when I go to him. Mm. Lord, have mercy on me. That every, every day would count. Actually, that's my only goal in this life. But I know that for that, for that, it's not just, it's not just my personal growth, but it's the building of the body. The church. That will trigger the Lord's coming. Because I still want to see him. I want him to come to me. I actually don't want to go to him. I want him to come to me. And for that, I need El Bethel. I, I don't need I don't need just Israel. 
you know, we'll, we'll, we'll show you this. It, he, he built an altar, Jacob, at a certain place, actually in Shechem. He built an altar. And he, he called it El, listen to this, El Elohi Israel. El Elohi Israel. Which means the God of Israel. And God appeared to him and said, Don't stay there. Come. Come back to Bethel, where I first appeared to you. Because just to have God as my God, it's not good enough. Now, do you remember? Do you remember when you were a teenager? Remember when you growing up in the church life? Because most, what, what age did you come to the church life? Uh, 20. 20. Oh, very young. <laughs> but some of these guys, they were born into the church life. They didn't, we, we didn't have that privilege. I came when I was 14. They were born in the church life. And we told them when they were in junior high, God, it's not good enough for God to be the God of your grandfather. Or for God to be the God of your father. He has to be your God. You remember those messages? Remember those messages? It doesn't matter whether you were here, California, wherever you were. You heard a message like that. It doesn't even matter whether you're in the recovery or in Christianity. You heard a message like that. God has to be your God. Oh, and yeah, oh, you cried. Oh, Lord, I want you to be my God. And, and, and it was wonderful. You came up to the microphone or you stood up there and you, and you said, Lord, I give myself to you. You're my God. And we all were, praise the Lord. Hey, those, that's the young people's conference. Now I tell you, it's not good enough. Now don't go, to, don't go and tell them. <laughs> don't go there and tell them, oh, that's not good enough. No. <laughs> Wait till they you know, grow up a little bit and get to this conference. For you, it's not good enough. For, for God, it's not good enough. Because he, 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 he made that altar, not at Bethel. He made that altar somewhere. You know where he made that altar? In a certain place that he built his first house. You know, uh, Jacob, Jacob, you know, he was born in, in the good land. And, and then he had, uh, he, he, he cheated his brother of the birthright. That was the first thing. He cheated his brother of the birthright. And that means a lot. That means a lot in the Jewish heritage. That means a lot in the spiritual heritage. It means more. So he cheated in the birthright. And then cheated him of his father's blessing. And so, and so like I said, Esau started a plot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. But I must wait until my father, it'll be too much for my father. I'm going to wait till it. So, his mom steps in. He goes. And he goes back to his family's house. Far from the good land. Lord appears to him and said, come back to Bethel. Come back to Bethel. So he comes all the way back, but not to Bethel. He comes to Canaan, to, to Shechem, 
which is actually very good, this place Shechem. Have you heard stories about Shechem? You know, Abraham built an altar there and called on the Lord. That's very good. You know what Shechem means? You know, all these names are very meaningful. You know what Shechem means? Shoulder. Shoulder. Which implies strength. So the Lord was his strength. So he came back and he built a house and he built booths for his cattle. and Like he was, you know, complacently secure. And then, then something terrible happened to his daughter. And, and to the point where he, he pretty much had to get, he was like pushed out of there. Sometimes, saints, sometimes, the Lord allows things. Allows things. Remember, Jacob, have I loved? It's out of love, but he allows things to kind of wake us up. When, it, when we're in the moment, sometimes we don't appreciate. But all of us who have this experience, we look back, sometimes still with the wound, and we say, Lord, thank you. In your wisdom, I know there was no other way. There was no other way that you would gain me. No other way. I know. I know now. I know now. But I would, I would encourage you. Tell the Lord, Lord, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that in my life. Don't allow things to... Don't, don't sacrifice my children for my behalf. Lord, keep me open to you. Give me open to you. Amen. 26 years later, Paul had this pursuing kind of attitude. I, I pray, all of us, this would be our, mm, what's the phrase? Uh, modus operandi. Our spiritual modus operandi. This would be our default mode. Until the Lord returns. What is that? I pursue. Lord, I pursue. Uh, we read this verse, 2 Chronicles 4, 1. This is referring to the temple. When Solomon built the temple. And uh, this verse, the reason I wanted us to read it, is because it gives us the dimensions of the of the altar, you know the altar was the first item of furniture when you go into God's house, right? Which, which in, it, it, it implies redemption, it also implies consecration, right? The altar. And, and uh, we, we just touched this matter in a, the recent semi-annual training. If you were involved with the training, you might, you might recall this. Um, that, that the dimensions of the tabernacle were one thing. You know, the, the, whole, the whole compound of the tabernacle was only 100 cubits by 50 cubits, and the tabernacle itself, the, 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 the house of God, inside the, that, that screen was, was 30 by 10. 30 by 10. Are you familiar with this uh, 
Sorry, we don't, on the sides you can't see it. But God's house was basically like this. This is the, the Holy of Holies, was 10 by 10 by 10. And this is the Holy Place, was 20 by 10, 20 by 10. And then outside was, you know, 100 by 50, and the, the uh, labor was here, and the altar was here. That altar, where they had the sacrifices, you know the dimensions of that altar in the tabernacle? The dimensions in the altar were uh, five cubits by five cubits by three cubits. You know, a cubit is about a foot and a half, about 18 inches. So the altar, the first thing you see when you go into God's house, altar. So if it's five cubits, that means about seven and a half feet. That's pretty big. Okay. Seven and a half feet. So I don't know if that's maybe from where we're at Genesis to about here. Yeah, seven, and, seven and a half feet. And seven and a half feet. Pretty big. Three cubits high, which is what? Four and a half feet. Four and a half feet. Maybe that. Right. Pretty big. Not, but in the temple, do you know the dimensions of the altar? Oh, we, we read it. We read it. The dimensions of the altar are 20 by 20 by 10. 20. Four times. Right? So, not seven and a half feet. How, how, how much? 30. 30 feet. Imagine an altar. 30 feet. 30 by 30. And 10 cubits high. That's what's that? 15 feet. That means to sacrifice, you have to go up the stairs. Right? To offer something, you, you, you have, there, there, there's an, it's higher. You have to get up there. So, so, what does this show? That in our experience, there must be an advancing from the tabernacle church life to a temple church life. You know, in the tabernacle, you, you know the items here in the holy place, the three items? There's the table, the showbread table. There's a little table with, ten, with pieces of bread, right? And then there's a lampstand, the lampstand. Oh, and outside is the labor. That's where they wash. Yeah. Do, do you know that in the temple, in the temple, there were ten labors, not just one. Uh, there, there, in the tabernacle, one little table of bread. In the, in the temple, there are ten tables. What, what does that imply? <laughs> that implies, that implies intensified, increased, enlarged eating and enjoyment of Christ as our supply. The ten labors, you know, the labor is where they come and wash away the filth of the world. It was made of bronze. So there are ten. What does that mean? That means we should, we should have an intensified shining today of the world. You know, the world has gotten intensified. You face temptations and you see things that when, when, when I was just coming out of college and work, I, I, didn't, I didn't have all those things to deal with. Oh my, dear saints, the things you face, the, the world is more intensified. But you know what? The spirit is also intensified. 
And so we can go on. The Lord does say, greater is he who is in you than he is in, in the world. We don't, the, the intensity of the world should not be an excuse. We need intensified pursuing so that, so that we can have intensified exposing of the labor. Intensified supply of Christ as our bread. And then ten lampstands. Can you imagine? Ten lampstands. Intensified shining. That, that, that should be our normality today. And can be. And can be. So, saints, there, there is this view in the scripture going on. Of going on. Of going higher. Of going deeper. That's our burden. That's our burden. And then, Jacob. We can see in the life of Jacob a certain progression. A certain progression, which already I've tried to highlight for you for you here. Let's look at a little bit of the detail. Let's just start, and then we'll just continue in the following sessions. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to uh, Genesis 25. Genesis 25. Let's read verses 22 to 26. 22 through 26, if you have it, or whoever has it. And please... Uh, take care of the ones around us in case someone does not have a Bible we can, we can uh, take care of them that way let's read together Go. and the children struggled with each other within her and she said it is so why am I like this and she went to inquire of Jehovah and Jehovah said to her two nations are in your room and two peoples shall be separated from your mouth struggle, trying, trying to change the environment, not satisfied with God's ordination. This seems to govern his, most of his life. Thank the Lord, not all of his life. But he always tried to fix things. He always tried to maneuver. Now look at this next part. Uh, this is 29, same chapter, 29, uh, yes, 29 through 34. Let, let's read this. Because in this, actually God appreciated his conniving. 
God appreciated. Because this shows, what you'll see here is, he appreciated the birthright. And this is, this is the first main principle I hope that we could, we could see. Let's read this, 29 to 34. How about alternating? Sisters, please read 29. Brothers, and Esau said to Jacob, Let me swallow down some of the residue that I rescued there, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, First tell me your birthright. And Esau said, I am now about to die. Of what use then is this birthright to me? And Jacob said, First swear to me, and he swore to him. cheated. He, he, even though he did something nice, <laughs> he had this food ready. He was, this was enticing. He, he took advantage of his brother's weakness. Yeah. Conniving. Conniving. And you'll see later, he's a liar. Uh, he, he's not the best person. But God loved him. Have you ever, have you never said this? Lord, why? Why do you put up with me? Why do you, why do you love, why did you choose me in the first place? And why do you still love me today? Have, have you never said that to the Lord? I think the Lord just kind of smiles. Silly child. Silly child. You don't know what I can do. Because my confidence, my trust has never been in you. Whether you're good, whether you're bad, whether you can, whether you cannot. My trust has always been in myself and what I can do in you. So just be quiet and watch. Now, this phrase, Esau despised his birthright. This is repeated in the New Testament in Hebrews 12.16 Hebrews 12.16 says this lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one meal gave up his own birthright our birthright as believers as, as, as New Testament Christians. The, you know, the, there's a picture of this in the Old Testament and then the fulfillment in the New Testament. Our birthright is that we would be the Lord's priests and kings and enjoy Christ as our all-inclusive land. It's actually Christ. The enjoyment and experience of Christ in, in very many definite aspects and you can see here to despise the birthright that gets God's attention God does not appreciate when we despise our portion 
Especially, especially when we sell it for something cheap. You know, this could be the basis of Romans 9.13. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Why? Why would God hate Esau? Well, he, God foresaw. Esau, you just despise. You just despise what I give you. I give you the best. You just throw it away. For what? One meal. Oh, if you have the recovery version, and I don't mean for you to turn to it now, there is a note there. Dear saints, if you would read that note in a slow, mindful, and prayerful way, I believe the Lord could speak something freshly to you as he has to me. We, we should be careful never to despise our rights in the Lord, our birthright, our, 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 my Christ, the Christ that God wants to give us. And we just, for, for something, for what? For something. And for each of us, that one quote-unquote meal will be something different. It will be something different. Be careful that especially, especially, we don't sell it, sell our birthright, because of a blessing that God gave us. Sometimes that actually happens. God gives us something, and that thing that He gives us, we pray for that. He gave us that. And because of that, like, okay, I don't need you anymore. We would never say that. But that's the attitude. And that gets God's attention. That's, that gets God's attention. So in this, in this, God appreciated this. Jacob's attitude toward the spiritual things. Toward the spiritual things. At least this he got right. At least this he got right. Well, saints, I think this is enough maybe for, for this session. In the 4 p.m. session, we will then go through a little of the story, and especially we will touch these three highlights. These three highlights. Uh, I do believe, I do believe the Lord has something for each of us. Um, how about we have uh, a little prayer? Uh, maybe, maybe two or three, three or four in a little group around us. We could, we could just have a, a one minute of prayer. Uh, anything that was on our heart, uh, we could just respond to the Lord. Either two, three, or four, we could turn around, right where we are, to have a little prayer. Amen.